What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the TentacleBot Podcast Sailor Special. I'm Matt. I'm Gabe. And today what we're doing is we're actually calling this one the catch-up episode. It's just me getting to catch up and tell you guys my thoughts on some albums that we have uh, done reviews for here on the podcast. But I just unfortunately was not present because guess who was not in Arizona? If you were listening to my last couple uh, episodes uh, without Matt, obviously the this is coming out after uh, Ice Nine Kills was released. But uh, the two previous to this, the Trivium record and the Rivers and Isle record, Matt was lame and like had to do work and <laughs> stuff like that. And... <laughs> It was it was nice though. I got to at least see a few different places here in the U.S. Um, I was actually I got to go to Chicago for the first time. Um, Sorry, that's a every. We time, have no listeners in Illinois, so I can say this: Chicago hey, sucks. <laughs> every time I've been in Chicago, something's gone wrong. So I've got a little bit of bad taste there. Um, been to Illinois, which was neat, I guess. Chicago's um, in Illinois. Oh, I'm sorry, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I got to go over to uh, a few states on the East Coast, uh, West Virginia, Virginia, Kentucky, Connecticut, and New York. Um, Connecticut and New York was work-related. Um, beautiful weather over there. So much green. Like I'd recommend definitely going to the East Coast at some point, especially if you're like a big nature geek and just being able to see um, see the changing of the colors. It's super beautiful. But that's yeah. not why we're here. No, we're not. We're here to talk about some music, dang it. Music. Yeah. Um, so honestly, let's just jump right into it. We're catching up. Um, let's talk about the Asking Alexandria record. See what's on the inside. Um, this released on October 1st, and I don't I think it's Better Noise Records, I think is the new label for Asking Alexandria. I know it's not sharp tone. I can find um, out for sure here just for a sure. second. Um, but while you're looking that up, is I'll kind of talk is uh, we're getting a re- to see a return of some of the heavier material by the band, and honestly, I'm beyond thrilled with it. Alone again takes the cake for my favorite song here on the record, but it brings songs like Fame, The Gray, as well as See What's on the Inside, and really the record's solid, and it's it's really nice getting to see less of the pop rock that they were doing, especially with like House on Fire, and then they're self titled. Um, and it, it's really leaning more to the pure rock stuff. And dude, Ben Bruce and Cameron are actually like playing guitar. Like we're actually getting really good riffs and it's Ben solos on the record. Like I, I can't complain. What would you rate the record? I'd rate it a six out of eight. Neat. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> now, to preface this, I've never liked Asking Alexandria. Never have. I don't think I ever will at this point. I think the only time you ha- did was when Dennis was oh, the vocalist. Yeah, exactly. And that I, was I for like 2014 to like half of 2016. Exactly. When they put out The Black. The Black was the greatest album that they have ever put out. You will never catch me dying on this hill because I will remain fighting on this hill because I cannot die. It is the best record that they have ever put out. That That's rant, a lie. Yeah, but that, anyways, do that continue. Rant over. <laughs> this album was a Nickelback album. <laughs> like when I was listening to this, this basically was just Nickelback with a guy who was trying to sound like he was in Led Zeppelin. If you were to swap out all of uh, what's his buckets uh, vocals, Danny Warsnop? Yeah, that guy. If you were to swap out all of his... What's his bucket? (laughs) I hate this band so much. If you were to swap out all of his vocals and just throw in Chad Kroger instead, you would have a Nickelback album, and there's nothing you can do to change my mind on this. 
What's your rating on this one? Two. There are there are minor, 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 oh minor, God, minor. Oh, my God. You put that low. And the That's only, like a day to remember Escape the Fate ex- low. The only reason it's not a one is because Escape the Fate is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> God, that that record. I I could honestly have a stroke because that record just exists. Yeah, like th- there was very little redeeming qualities in this album. Like it was. I feel like this would be good background rock music to mm-hmm. have. Like, if I were writing a movie, I would throw probably a couple of these songs here in the back of my dive bar scene that I was writing. Okay, but otherwise, there is no redeeming qualities about this album whatsoever. It can die in a fire for all I care. So let me let me ask you this because I feel like this may give a little bit of additional perspective into why your opinion of it is the way it is outside of the the Nickelback comparison. What are your thoughts on '80s hair metal and stuff kind of in that kind of bubble? It's generic. It gets boring over time. Everybody rants and raves like they're all amazing when in reality they have some good stuff, but overall it just doesn't really cut cut it for me. Okay, that and, and that I understand why question. you asked that. Yeah, because yeah. they definitely take a lot of those influences mm-hmm. here. Yeah, and you definitely and just brief history of asking before we jump into the next one is their first record stand up and scream was very much just pure metal core. Um, when they went into reckless and relentless in 2011 is you could definitely see some of that hard that hard, kind of eighties hard rock vibe kind of being brought in from death to destiny um, was actually the best way that it was explained, I believe it was either Cameron, their rhythm guitarist, or it might have even been Danny, but it was basically Motley Crue meets Slipknot, and that was extremely apparent through that record. And it I just think sounds like fusing of two worlds that I hate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I shouldn't say I hate. They're, Slipknot, I have a respect for, but I don't really enjoy their music. Mm-hmm. Motley Crue, got nothing for them. Fair. I think, honestly... Because I, I kind of grew up on 80s hair metal, um, and then Slipknot was really kind of my gateway into this heavier stuff, mm-hmm. is I think that's part of the reason why I have this really strong feeling toward it. And I felt like From Death to Destiny, it has to be up in my top 10 favorite albums of all time. The production on that one was definitely not as good as I believe it could have been. But I think even with the kind of muddiness of it, the the blending of these two genres that kind of don't make sense, but they, they were able to work, I think Asking did a really good job. Um, unfortunately, when Dennis came back, is it very much felt like the band took a step backwards and kind of over back? to the... I'm sorry. When Danny left initially and Dennis and they brought was in the, the, re- the best front man they've ever had. <laughs> who looks literally like he's a hot topic kid. That's okay because the screams that came out of that man were bar none better than anything Danny has ever put into a mic. Dennis is a pretty good vocalist. However, we're we're not having this rant. <laughs> we are not having this argument. Um it felt like what happened was Dennis and the band really took really asking Alexandria as an entity took a step back and kind of sidestepped. It felt like they really, they were trying to go backwards in time, but go off of that. And it didn't, it felt like it wasn't really an evolution of the band. Uh, Upon Dennis's departure and Danny coming back is they kind of 
completely departed both of those and they started really going into the radio rock and then with house on fire they really went into that pop rock direction um and seeing uh see what's on the inside is it very much feels like a evolution in the right direction but it also feels in a way like a from death to destiny part two in some aspects i just want to ask alexandria to turn it off let's go ahead and move on to the next album (laughs) (laughs) next one is rivers of niles the work um I'm going to take a backseat on this. If you guys would like to hear my thoughts on this one, you can hop back a couple episodes to when I did it with Dipper Satterfield from It's All Grizzly. But Matt, go ahead and take this one away. Absolutely. And I've got a few different notes on this one. So looking at this record, or looking at Rivers of Nile and this record, as well as their prior album, Where Owls Know My Name, I look at those two albums a lot like how I look at Ashes of the Wake and Sacrament by Lamb of God. So... In Rivers of Nile's case, where I always know my name and then Lamb of God's Ashes of the Wake is that's really where the the band found their groove and they kind of found what would be their sound. And then moving forward, so Sacrament being the follow-up to Ashes of the Wake and then the work being the follow-up to where Owls know my name is you can definitely feel it's the same band. There's a lot of the same sound and there's a lot of those elements that are brought forward. But there's the evolution. You can see that they're doing something different, um, whether it be in the vocal delivery, whether it be in the composition of the riffage. um, We definitely see that here in the work. The other thing that I thought was really neat, and I actually got to listen to that episode um, where you guys broke down the Rivers of Nile episode, and you guys were talking about how dark and gloomy it is. Um, Very much is doomy doomy and gloomy. Um, One of the things I really thought was interesting was around the time Owls came out, I had actually been watching an interview I want to say it might have been with their lead vocalist. And they were saying is... Each of their albums up to Owls was actually based off of a season. So the Conscious Seed of Light was spring, Monarchy was summer, Owls being a fall record. And then when I actually went into the work as I was going into it with the idea of it being their winter record, because if they were going to continue this cycle like they were talking about, and it really had... The album does a great job of providing that desolate feeling. Like it kind of think of the kind of stereotypical shots. I believe one of them was in the original, uh, the Home Alone movie, where it's the the snow's just pouring down, and there's the house, and it's just the streets are completely empty. It's that kind of. Sh- empty feeling that you get when you look at that photo or even in letter Kenny, where they've had a couple of the shots where it's just the, the street and there's people's houses and there's nobody out in the winter. So it really provided that like doomy, gloomy, very desolate feeling. But I think the art really hit that on the head to the winter feel because it, it looked like a desolate winter wasteland. Um, I think the, the evolution going into this and, taking what they did right with owls and kind of pushing it to the next level, but also bringing some of those elements. And so instead of them being just heavy all the way through and just constant heaviness is the heavy parts actually felt like there was some weight to them. And it wasn't just heavy, 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 heavy. It just all, you know, again, it's, they broke it up in a way that, the heaviness had meaning and it's like you wanted the heaviness, but the slower, more melodic stuff was still very welcome and still complimented the heavier stuff. This one, I've got to give a six out of eight. 
Okay. Um, I definitely really enjoyed the record. Um, I definitely want to sit down and actually look into the lyrics a bit more, um, especially after you and Dipper kind of explaining just how dark and gloomy it is and just being able to break the, break those songs down a little bit more. I can't really say I have a favorite song as of yet. It might be Episode, just because of just how bludgeoningly heavy that mm-hmm. one was. Um, I do also like the... I can't remember who it was you compared. It was the um, Pink Floyd, the mm, pl- yeah, Pink, the Pink Floyd, Floyd comment. <laughs> I got a I got a good <laughs> chuckle out of. Uh, but the the inclusion of that classic rock riffage and soloing style in the record was a nice addition. Yeah. Then we're gonna go ahead and jump into the uh, Dayseeker record. Now this one was originally released back in 2019. Uh, however, they did release a deluxe version that had a few reimagined tracks on it, and mm-hmm. that just kind of gave us a good chance to listen to the record and then be said that we weren't really able to take the time to do it for the the podcast, but just kind of giving it a little five-minute overview here. Um, holy crap, this record was amazing. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Yeah, I. Uh, so I full disclosure, I really not listened to a lot of Dayseeker before. I've seen them live a few times uh, mm-hmm. on Invoke Record tours because Invoke Records is just phenomenal. And now, and I believe this was uh, released on Spine Farm now, uh, which is the the same one that we'll get to here in a minute with uh, uh, Sleep Token. There it is. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll talk about them in a minute, but um, yeah, this one here, like, just every track seemed like it was just solid. Drunk was amazing. Crooked Soul was amazing. Burial Plot was amazing. Sleep Talk was amazing. Color Black was amazing. Mm-hmm. Already Numb was amazing. Yeah. Just from beginning to end, I loved this record. I honestly even liked the reimagined tracks. I know they weren't really your cup of tea, mm-hmm. but they kind of just put like a more poppier mid-2000s kind of upbeat spin to them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they just added kind of a cool element. And we've been seeing a few bands do this a lot lately. Um, we've seen The Story So Far do it. We've seen uh, Real Friends do it. And now these guys are doing it here as well. I'm a fan of it. I think it's cool to kind of see these reimagined versions of songs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I just, I love this album. Yeah. So, and as you said, the the reimaginings aren't my thing. My my problem with it is a lot of them are kind of predictable. Is oh, very Everybody so. seems to be going in. It's like, Okay, let's take a song and we're gonna make a poppy or we're gonna make it more EDM. Um, Drunk was definitely a little bit more the EDM. Uh, Crooked Soul was pretty good. It, it's just everything's going in just that direction. Is I'm I would almost like a band to take a do a reimagining and maybe maybe it's a a little bit slower song or even if it's just kind of mid tone heavy is. I want to see a band do a reimagining where they just go balls to the wall, like Blitzkrieg heavy, like mm-hmm. just just to mix it up because then that at least provides a little bit of variety. I respect um, that. At the same time, though, like with this kind of thing, because a lot of that kind of stuff is bleeding into heavier music now, mm-hmm. I feel like it's good to kind of have this sidestep to it yeah. where we can hear these existing songs with that instead of having that just be the centerfold of the new record and we're missing out on everything that we originally began to love about the band. And so... It was kind of the same thing, like uh, with artists like um, Nurgle doing his uh, uh, "Me and That Man," where mm-hmm. it's kind of more this outlaw country, Tom Waits kind of yeah. vibe to it, or Andy Black going this more gothic Depeche Mode kind of route instead of doing that into Blackfield Brides. They're taking these outlets and putting them somewhere else, and I feel like this is just kind of the next, or I guess a, a half step back from that, and I and I respect that a lot. Yeah, and I. 
I definitely do like, you know, that they're they're definitely venturing into some of this, but I think because it's just something we haven't seen. So it's like we'll we'll take a, a day seeker song is um Gates of Ivory was a really heavy mm-hmm. one. Is even if it's just one reimagining where they just decided, you know what? What if we were to take this song, which is already pretty heavy, and we just go all just full send with it? Like, I feel like that would it would just provide something just different enough that it doesn't feel like everybody else has done it. So I while I agree with you, that's not what would help bring in additional people. Yeah. And I th- I think just because of how I think part of it's just because of how opinionated I've gotten with my own music taste is I think that's part of the reason why. So while I enjoyed the reimaginings, I tended to skip over them quite a bit. Um I actually, because I was on a, a plane for so much and didn't have access to the Wi-Fi because I didn't really want to pay the money, nor did I care, is I ended up downloading this record along with the next record that I'll be talking about. And I just skipped over the the reimaginings and just listened to the bass record. And like I said, dude, I'm obsessed with it. I, I can't... I would sit there and find myself starting the record completely over if I was partway through or I'd sit there and some of the songs I just sit there and just back (laughs) it back it up to the beginning drunk and crooked soul definitely are tied for um favorites but it's got burial plot it's got crash and burn it's got gates of ivory I mean um the embers is it embers glow yeah, Ember's Glow was kind of like the middle track right before Color Black. Yeah, it, like that combination of songs too. It just all of it was absolutely fantastic. Tentacle rating. If we're going full deluxe edition, seven out of eight. If we take off the ima- reimaginings, it's eight out of eight. Fair enough. I'm I'm eight out of eight as well. Yeah, like. This album was fantastic. It it really was, and I believe the lead vocalist's name is Rory. And mm-hmm. my God, dude, your your voice is like butter. <laughs> um, the next one, which I know Gabe has just been absolutely ecstatic about the fact that it was even coming out in the Court of the Dragon by Trivium. I would say that I would sit back because you can go and listen to me and Tyler talk about this one, but I'm not going to sit back because this album's freaking amazing. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm going to kind of preface this and there's going to be a couple of hot takes. Oh, it is oh boy. so spicy Gabe might be, might be showing up for a, uh, for a little bit, but we've been finally bestowed new trivium. Um, this record opens up with just an absolute, just Mack truck of force. We start with an instrumental, simply the letter X, which is the Roman numeral for 10, since this is their 10th record, leads right into the title track, which is absolutely insane. Sword Over Damocles is unbelievable. (laughs) And then Feast of Fire. Like, how do you guys ever breathe? Like, can you let me breathe? It's just the first four songs hit you like a Mack truck. Um, now after feast is, there are a couple of songs that really do shine. Um, shadow of the abattoir was definitely a really big one. It took me a little bit to get into that one, but that one's solid. And you really get to hear 
Matt Heafy really explores range a lot in that one. That was I do. easily the highest I've ever heard him get. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have to just mad, mad props to you, my dude. Um, there, there were songs though after Feast that I really didn't feel like shined as hard, and so to to um give you a little bit of background, I think I talked about this in our top eight favorite bands episode, but I was not formally introduced to Trivium until this um I was gonna say lovely individual, but you're not really lovely. That's fair. Continue. Um <laughs> so I was introduced with uh, to them with what the dead men say. And I was I was hooked with that record immediately. The evolution you can very much notice and there are some things that this record does a lot better um or just really trying to trying to think of the they ended up taking some of the things with what the dead men say pushed it forward and just did it better um there are some parts of this where i actually prefer what the dead men say and i feel like part of that is i find myself when i listen to what the dead men say as i'm hooked in with each song on that record where this one it's it's not so much all the way through, but it's almost like pick and choose with some of the songs. It's just some of them just don't hit the same as some of the songs may have did for what the dead men say. Um, I've got a, I, I can't talk about this album without complimenting the musicianship of these guys. Alex Bent is an absolute monster. Um, I believe it's Corey is the guitarist with Matt. Yes. Um, those two just absolutely shred. And even Pablo. I, w- Paolo. I was able pa- Paulo. Paulo. Okay. Pablo. Pablo. So I, I thought it was Pablo. So that, yeah, that's, well, that, that's, that's my bad. That's worse than my Jacoby uh, <laughs> flub last episode. <laughs> Jacoby. Jacoby. Um, and even, I, I don't pick a bass as much as maybe you would just because you are a musician, Yeet. but I was able to pick up some of Paulo's bass playing throughout the songs. And I was able to appreciate that as well. All around. These are fantastic musicians and they've put out an absolutely really sick record. Um, Tentacle rating. I'm giving this one a six and a half. Um, it's, a couple of the songs don't, like I said, a couple of the songs kind of feel like they weigh down the record a little bit, but I think just off of the title track, Sword Over Damocles, Feast of Fire, and even Shadows of the Abattoir, I think those four are enough that really push the record, and I think the musicianship across the board is really what puts it to this high. I, just, I love this album so much. <laughs> it, was, it was a mutated octopus for me. It's a nine out of eight. <laughs> <laughs> is it bioluminescent too uh absolutely of oh, course because it's magical go. uh then from there i'm gonna go ahead and jump into uh the sleep token record uh matt did you get a chance to listen to this one at i all? was actually just about to say i have not gotten a chance to listen to that um but what i can do is on our next episode is i can just for a hidden track as i can talk about it i can probably just jam that record a couple times just get a get some opinion on it but i have not had a chance to listen to it sure um but yeah this so if you're not familiar with Sleep Token, uh, in a nutshell, basically they're a band that revolves around the god Sleep, and everything they do is considered an act of worship to this god of sleep. Uh, it, hmm. It's a lot deeper than that. There's a lot more nuance and stuff like that, but 
by and large, that's what it is. That's what they base all their imagery around, their concepts, what their songs are really about, and so on. That's um, interesting. So the first record was met with really wide success. People really liked it. It was something new. They kind of mixed this weird kind of ethereal gothic pop kind of vibe and almost uh, with like atmospheric kind of templates. Mm-hmm. And then they jam like these gent kind of riffs and bass into them. And it's a really weird, unique mix, but it's done really well. And mm. going into it, I knew that I wasn't going to love this record because the style is really there for somebody who wants to sit there and just listen to the record instead of doing something else. Mm-hmm. Whereas I have to kind of keep going to to keep my hands occupied. Otherwise, yeah. I begin losing something. And that's not really what this record is designed around. However, there are still some fantastic standout tracks. Um, Hypnosis is a phenomenal track. That's one of the ones where we really get this super cool riff that comes into it and really kind of opens up the track and opens up the rest of the album. Um, Fall For Me is in a purely... Uh, vocal track with vocal effects then it's one of the most beautiful things that I've heard in a while uh, Alkaline is easily my favorite track which was the uh, the first single that was released okay um, it's a phenomenal track and the rest of the album like it really just kind of helps encompass all of those and it really fleshes out more of what sleep token is doing okay um, I'd probably put this one at a five for me it's like I said it's not really they're not my favorite band by any means but I really respect what they're doing and they're freshening it up. They're changing things. Okay. And I like gimmickry, gimmicky imagery, mm-hmm. especially in the way that they're utilizing it. Cause it kind of feels like it's ghost, but refreshed. Yeah. And I, I like that aspect of it. And you said it was what mixed with kind of genty style kind of like dark atmospheric pop synth pop basically. Okay. It's very difficult to explain without listening to it. I'll show it to you afterwards, just so you kind of have understanding. Uh, But then from there, Matt, why don't you go ahead and lead us into the uh, next album that we need to talk about. Which album? Didn't we have one more? No, I think that was it. Was that it? I think so. I guess that was it. Uh, So yeah, that's going (laughs) to (laughs) be... Please keep this in. Oh, but absolutely. Thank you guys I, so I don't much. even bother editing half the time anymore. I just like, yeah, you know what? We earned this. We earned our failures. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening to our, I believe, third ever Sailor Special. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. This is probably going to be something that we do more of in the future, and this is probably what be the, uh, the Sailor Specials really turn into is just kind of us catching up on things that we really don't have the time for because, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. working a full-time job. You're in between jobs at the moment, mm-hmm. but eventually you'll get another full-time yeah, job for and just sure. and there, with the amount of music that comes out we obviously want to be able to cover as much of it as we mm-hmm. can but there's only so many hours in the day and until you guys start funding us <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> yeah right but get, thank you guys so much for tuning in um please do like rate and subscribe wherever you guys get your podcasts whether that be through google Podcasts, apple music spotify um, apparently now Facebook and Last FM are some places where you can catch us that I've just been uh, has been brought to my attention. Also, you can find us on a variety of social medias. That would be either Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook, all at Tentacle Bop. Uh, potentially with Twitter coming for uh, coming soon because we're gonna start beef with somebody. Yeah, we're, and we're, we're tired of people w- waiting to, for the fight to come. We're gonna bring the fight to people. And, and we're basically just gonna be a fighting squid. Like we're just gonna edit. Are we gonna edit our logo to be the squid, but with boxing gloves now? It's an octopus, and that that's actually 
not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. <laughs> but keep an eye out for rebranding, apparently. But we'll catch you in the next one, guys. <laughs> See you later.